Greetings, rare ones. My name is Joanne, and I started the Rare Birds podcast because I wanted to hear from people like myself who come from emerging markets or the developing world, as we're called, who are entrepreneurial, resourceful, passionate, and energized to take their vision from idea to startup. Each week, you will hear me interview founders and teams from across emerging markets who are in the early stages of building their businesses. From time to time, you will also hear me speak with established ecosystem builders, mentors, investors, and business professionals who share knowledge based on their years of experience. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in hearing from the next wave of change makers across emerging markets, building in various industries from agro to tech to health, beauty, and all in between. This podcast is also for those who have ideas, but they're not entirely sure how to make them a reality. They're looking for inspiration and encouragement. We call ourselves Rare Ones. And if this sounds like you, then welcome to the family. Sit back, relax, and listen in to our always so good conversation. Bye for now. Hello, Anthony, and welcome to the Rare Birds podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Great. It's such a pleasure to have you on all the way from Addis. Yay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so before we jump into our conversation, Anthony, which I have taken the time to pronounce your first name, by the way, Anthony, Anthony. I'm yeah, trying you, my you, best. You're doing okay. I think it's better than the, the, the other names you've, you've been trying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, okay. Tell everyone a little bit about your background, who you are. I know you're in Addis. For those of you who don't know Addis, that's in Ethiopia. Tell us a little bit about you and, and your background and what you're doing right now in Ethiopia. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, I'm from Ethiopia, Addis, as you've mentioned. Um, uh, um, um, my background, I, I went, to, I studied economics, uh, uh, in a business school, one of the top business school here, but, uh, progressively I moved to more of a tech and startup, uh, you know, area. Um, currently I'm working, uh, as a country lead for Africa Stocking. Africa Stocking is, um, a communication and payment API platform, uh, uh, basically, we give uh, tools for developers for all over Africa, and uh, I manage the operation for Ethiopia as well. I have my own startup called Shaga that uh, focuses on the tech and startups in uh, in Ethiopia. Uh, we basically produce content, uh, help our startups, consult investors, uh, and so on. Basically, we want to be a hub for tech and startups in, in Ethiopia. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm uh, generally focused on the emerging markets, uh, very big interest in uh, uh, China and India as well, uh, uh, and in Africa, of course. I've worked before in India for uh, about a year, uh, did a lot of research in, in Chinese tech ecosystem as well, which uh, is also my some of my interest area. But generally, I'm interested in uh, you know how innovation you know can help countries move uh, and you know go and uh, and that is my interest you know between Africa and uh, Southeast Asia and in a general history how human being progresses and you know how could you 
make things better? And uh, how do you, you know, change things from, uh, how do you see things from different perspective and uh, how do you, you know, progress? Yeah, nice. Okay, so how did you go then from university to what you're doing now? Did you, were you working in sure. like a company first and then you branched off to doing the things you're doing now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so what? So when I was in university, uh, I was a part of uh, this organization called ISEC. Uh, mm-hmm. So ISEC is basically it's an international youth-led organization, and that's actually available in almost in 126 countries. And it's a university-based organization, and you get to be part of the organization. Uh, you kind of start from the scratch, and you go through the whole organization hierarchy. That's a very uh, interesting learning experience. So I was a part of the organization for almost three years while I was in the university. So that's, um, uh, so I mean, I studied economics. I like what I was studying, but it was um, not really practical. So I was looking for, you know, for real life experience where I can, you know, actually develop my skills and uh, get to learn, get to see how things are working the ground, right? So it was really, my study was much of theoretical and uh, economics could be, you know, economics can be theoretical sometimes. So yeah, so I was yeah. part of this organization and uh, I had a chance to work in a different departments, you know, marketing, organizing conferences, uh, some regional and international, some travel experience to Europe uh, in some African countries. So I had really good exposure of different industries, also in terms of uh, profession, you know, in terms of, you know, different uh, fields, you know, including marketing, business development, and all those stuff. So when I finished that experience uh, uh, together with my university, I wasn't sure what I actually wanted to do, but uh, it was more of, um, um, you know, I was exploring, really, really exploring which industry could I really be part of. So after I graduated, I started working for a consulting firm here in Ethiopia as a marketing manager and for around six months. But yeah, so since I was in a you know exploration stage, I didn't really enjoy it that much. So I was looking for really a good industry where I could be really something I could see like in a long term and something I could see myself grow. So that's where I I, I applied for a position in India, uh, Bangalore, uh, for a tech startup. So I was let's see let's see the startup and tech ecosystem. Maybe that's where something I I have an interest. So. That's how I jumped in to that, and uh, there's no better place to do it than India, Bangalore, which have more India as well. Like have more similarity to Ethiopia in terms of culture, also basically in Africa, uh, also in terms of challenges and everything. So yeah, I thought uh, about that, and uh, I jumped in on it, and that's how I started uh, uh, this thing. Wow! Wow! That's a lot. <laughs> And that's actually, that's so impressive that within, I think it's really impressive that you managed to get all of this experience in such a short period of time. I mean, because you, you went to Europe, you said, so you got exposure there and yeah. you got exposure in different markets in Africa. And then you went to Bangalore. So everybody knows Bangalore is the tech hub, one of the tech hubs in the, of the world, right? So how right. did you just, how did that happen? You just applied online or did you have some connections or how did, uh, how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, the good thing about, you know, this ISEC is you become this part of 
very energetic and uh, energetic and uh, really connected use all over the wallet. So you become part of part of this organization. It gives you really good access to very interesting people all over the wallet. I mean, I that helped me in terms of you know really my confidence and in terms of actually the fact that you can work uh, with all these people while you're based in Ethiopia. It, it kind of helps. Uh, so, but I applied to this organization. So, Isaac, the organization I just mentioned, you also have a platform where you apply for uh, professional experience in another country. So, I've used mm. that platform. I've applied, and you could apply actually for all over the world. I had an access to apply in, in Europe and North America and other African countries. So, you choose whatever fits you based on your experience and your interest and, uh, you know, what you want to do more in the future. So, yeah, that's how I, I choose the opportunity in in India. Yeah. And did you enjoy your time in Bangalore? You said it was just for a year, right? Yes. Yes. So uh, I did. I enjoyed it more. So, I mean, I well, my goal was, so I, I was in my, this, my, in, in the care of the care, I was, the stage I was there, it was, uh, I, I was, it was more of explanatory and I wanted to know what is really something uh, interesting for me. Uh, and which industry which actually more fit in a long-term basis. Right? So my thought is uh, you need to pick, you know, one industry five to, where you could work on for five, ten years, where you could, you know, really focus in, but you also need to be really interested in. You could see, you need to see your contribution and uh, into the, the bigger picture, not just all, also just many and other stuff. And so I, that was an experimental stage and um, that my experience in India was really great because I was immersed in the ecosystem. The startup I was working was really founded by one of the really biggest uh, entrepreneurs in India that sold his previous uh, venture like $450 million. So the team I was in was really great. They already have a lot of good experience in uh, different startups in, in, in India. So it was, a, it was a really another school. You know? Yeah. What is, if you, I mean, I'm sure you learned a lot from being in India, but if you can right. just t share maybe one thing that you learned in India that you thought could be really beneficial to where you were in Ethiopia. Can you share yeah. one thing? Yes, I do. Yeah. So, um, uh, usually we tend to, um, so something I've noticed, uh, uh, in this industry I'm working is, you know, Silicon Valley is really big. Uh, and everyone want to adopt what's happening in Silicon Valley. And sometimes it fails, right? Uh, and people want to just bring models and systems that are working in Silicon Valley to this em emerging market. And India is interesting because you, you see it's a different country with different culture, with different sets of challenges. And the startups there really uh, customize uh, their product for their market, which was very interesting. Right? So one quick example, uh, Amazon uh, in in US is a really successful company and they built a lot of good products. And when you order a product in, uh, in, in Amazon in US, you know, you, you order online, then you pay with your card. And then they, they deliver it to you, your, your place. And you pay for the product before you actually you pay for the product before you actually receive the product, right? And you think that that works in in other countries as well, and but that didn't work in 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 India because the issue is in a in this emerging market 
one of the characteristics of this emerging market is thirst. Uh, mm-hmm. And people, people, the fact that you you pay before you, you actually receive the product is that now people are actually trusting that. They don't think they actually would receive the product, right? So this is something mm-hmm. in, in terms of the goals of the economy, in terms of the goals of the society, the law, more like the country that doesn't, that doesn't develop that much have more trust in, in the institution and systems. So people are now actually ordering stuff. And the moment they change to, uh, you know, to cash on delivery, you pay when you actually receive the product. So that's a, a tweak there, right? And then mm. you start ordering, right? Now I want people want to see the product with their hand before they, they pay. Right? That's mm. a different idea. So this is I think this is a good example in terms of how you need to understand the your your country, society, your market, and uh, you know, customize your product and whatever solution you're bringing rather than just copy cutting from uh, Silicon Valley or the Western market. So that's uh, mm. something really I've learned in India in terms of how most of startups, you know, uh, really customize this product, their products uh, to their market and which something I took really, uh, really well. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that you said that because that's something I've actually been researching on my own and talking with just a few people about this, this concept of in emerging markets, it just seems like everyone wants to take models that come out of, like you said, Silicon Valley mm-hmm. or much wealthier markets and try to apply them in, you know, Africa, for example, the continent. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work it because doesn't work. no. <laughs> and um, I think African problems need African solutions, right? And only the people on the ground in Africa actually know how to solve their own problems. So if you're going to try to replicate Silicon Valley, you just, you start off on the wrong foot, you know? Right. I mean, even Africa is now one, I mean, of course, Africa is now one, there's like 54 countries, but even China is not one. It's a really different market, right? You can't Mm -hmm. just Mm want one product even to China and apply it across all markets, right? So you you Mm -hmm. could... So, right? And even India or other countries. So even even a one specific country based on uh, social, uh, you know, economic situation, based on culture, there's lots of, you know, breakdown all the way down, right? So you need to understand where, you know, where your product fits and customize based on the situation. So then mm-hmm. with the same, Africa is also like 54 countries and every mm-hmm. country has hundreds of language, cultures and everything, right? And... Uh, you know, sometimes I I am I'm, I'm really a pan Africanist, but I tend to avoid conversation where you just say you know let's change Africa or a solution for Africa or or something like that because um it's really just just dopamine driven conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. It just doesn't really make sense to talk about a solution for Africa because Africa Africa is not really there is no one solution that works for Africa, right? Mm, yeah, change, yeah, but. They got their community and the country first and stuff like that, right? So it's, it's those sort of, those type of conversations sometimes tends to be just they feel good when you're talking, but it's really there's no value on them because there's no point of talking for uh, a solution for one point two billion people, right? There's no one solution that works for everyone. So we need to think mm. how to, you know bring down things on the ground. And everyone changing himself and the gun, its community and its country uh, as a whole. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you believe in more grassroots. Things need to start from the grassroots in your community, on the ground, and then you build your solutions from there. I like what you said about these conversations about Africa being feel good, but they don't actually. Um, yeah. Right. I guess. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, it's so, you know, it's that's it's, it's like conversation where it's like, I, you say, I want to change the world, right? That's. And yeah. I, it, it looks like it, it feels good. It looks like, but then the, the whole conversation, it gives you as if you need something really big, deceptive that affects everyone, everything. That's not how you mm-hmm. change the world. And that's not mm-hmm. how you change our Africa as well. It's some, mm-hmm. a little bit small you do in the ground that just, that's, that's changing the world. You're not going to change yeah. everything and stuff. So it's, it, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't have that really content in terms of, uh, you know, if you go deep see this, or let's change Africa thing, like, mm. what change Africa? Like, 1.2 billion people at a time, 54 countries, and how are you going to... It's not like there's no one solution for everything, and there's no point yeah. of really going deep down on that. So, I, yeah, I mean, that's how I see it. But do you think, though, I agree with you said, right? But do you mm-hmm. think that because we the african continent itself has been portrayed in in one light for so long and people view it in this like you said as one big country as opposed to 54 or some people would say 55 countries if you include western sahara or whatever i don't know i'm still trying to figure out if it's 54 or 55 some people say 54 some people say 55 but either way okay (laughs) but either way putting that aside some people might say well we need to have these feel-good conversations because mm-hmm. um, we, ne- we need to have like the upliftment side of things. We need to have this, this movement and this kind of feel-good activity so that people can start to realize, you know what, Africa is big and Africa does need a lot of different kinds of solutions. And then you can go deeper and then you can have those deeper, more specific, mm-hmm. nuanced conversations. Mm-hmm. So it's like you need both. You see where I'm coming uh, from? I, yes, I get your point you're saying. I, I think we just need to find a, a balance on it. Of course, we, yeah, yeah. The continents have been, you know, uh, you know, uh, like uh, seen as a different way and uh, in terms of, you know, whole colonization and everything. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of the we need to change. That's, that's, that's correct. But I think we just need to find a balance because we need to do stuff on the ground, right? If we really want to change this continent. And yeah, if yeah. we too much of this feel good thing we we it's cool to do it it looks but then we're not really uh doing what we're supposed to do as well right so uh, yeah. i think uh, having a finding a balance between it's, it's important right yeah yeah i definitely agree and i think also the feel-good stuff doesn't um highlight the frustrations of the people on the ground like the people like yourself who live and work in your country every single day i imagine it must be a little frustrating when you go online and you see like people saying all the feel good things, but you know what your reality is on the ground and it's something very different. True. Like, I mean, it's, it's very, it's not ill intentioned, right? It's bad. Uh, so I, I know what where people and most of us coming from that intention. Really, we want to change Africa. I mean, I wish I, I changed the world, but like, I, I, it doesn't matter. I, 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 don't, I don't think I changed the world, right? So even if, if I want to really be more impactful you know i cannot even change Ethiopia. like i need to choose one industry and one specific area which i am interested in and that's all mm-hmm. i can do right? yeah that's right so maybe 
I just I just think we shouldn't this shouldn't be something that eludes us and mm. uh, you know lose focus from our actually more important thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's a really, really important point. And I'm glad you said that. You know, I want to ask you something. <laughs> I guess this whole podcast is about me asking you questions, but something just came <laughs> to my mind. <laughs> why why did you choose? I mean, obviously, you're very passionate about your country. You said you're a Pan-Africanist, right? You could have, and you went to India for a year. You could have easily gone to North America or Western Europe or even here where I am in China. Right. Why did you choose to stay at home? Oh, yeah. Uh, after India, you meant? Like, just generally, you could have gone away and, oh, you know, yeah. been a part of the diaspora, the diaspora. Why did you choose to stay at home? I could. So, I mean, uh, so the thing is, I, so I, so, uh, so if you really see it, Africa is with the many and every, everything is in, in the continent, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, that's where the opportunity is. And that's where mm -hmm. also my, where I'm connected, right? In terms of the people I'm, I'm talking to, little small stuff I'm doing, you could actually see the improvements you're making, whatever you're doing. So it's very, mm -hmm. it's really, really virgin. I mean, like that's just you could do a lot of things, right? And I also like traveling, engaging with different cultures. I've been to, uh, I know, some countries, even in Europe and everything. But I don't see myself really leaving full-time in another country and maybe for study uh, or some experience it might make sense for me uh, but I, unless unless uh, unless it's for that really in terms of working and living the opportunity is in in, in the continent there's a lot of things that's still not touched so uh, I'm for example now so my focus is in Africa right I'm actually currently learning French and I want to learn all of the language the main language at least in Africa because in the future, mm -hmm. that's where I see all the opportunities. The world is coming to Africa. Why would I leave Africa? I, I, <laughs> I love that. The world is coming to Africa. Why would I leave Africa? I love that. <laughs> that makes all so right, much I'm, sense. I, I, I'm not saying why people shouldn't go. I mean, uh, I also have in the past, I've taught in terms of studying uh, abroad. Uh, mm. But now mm -hmm. I, I kind of give up in education. And so there's no now. I don't, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so um, um, yeah, that's the thing. Right? If I want to go to another country, it should be or something to get something in terms of educational experience and bring back to the content. That yes. if, if I if I move out, that and it will be for something like that. But I want to be based in, the, in this continent, and yeah, I think it makes sense. Right, and you're learning. So you're you're learning French now. So I guess you will also learn Portuguese. Uh, uh, maybe Swahili or Arabic. I think Swahili, definitely. Swahili. Arabic. And yeah. Arabic. So to have, and uh, of course, there's also Portuguese speaking, but uh, so in terms of uh, maybe next Swahili then, and Arabic, so that they do have lots of speakers. So. Yes, yeah. yes, Kiswahili. Wow, very good. Interesting. Okay. So we're going to talk about a lot of things today. We're going to talk about entrepreneurship. We're going to talk about technology. You're going to share some insight on startups in Ethiopia and Africa as a whole, because you have so much information in your head and I just want to pick your brain. Okay, so tell me a little bit about Shega. Tell me okay. about Shega. Right, um, so Shega, it's really what we want to do is, uh, so the tech and the startup ecosystem in Ethiopia, 
it's there's a lot of potential they have a there's a lot of potential and uh now it's really going there's a lot of things that are changing and 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 the issue i have found especially after i moved back from india after working there for a year is that there's a lot of people who are interested in the ecosystem but there's nothing really online people could look in to actually get information let's say mm. you want to in Ethiopian tech startup and you mm. want to know who's who's which startup talking or what who's building a product across different industries how do you get that uh let's mm. say you are another startup from Africa or another country that want to expand in Ethiopia and you're looking for someone to help you in terms of expansion you're looking you want to understand the ecosystem where do you go um or you you're just an, an university student in one of the universities in Ethiopia and maybe you aspire to be an entrepreneur where do you get inspired where do you get all where do you see that the success stories do you actually see people do you go to a startup and start something them some start something of their own and actually make things happen so we want to be that kind of hub where all these players can come and get what they want get in terms of being inspired or maybe it's in terms of getting information about the startups who is investing on what or even if you're an investor and want to see which which company you want to invest in all those things there's no nothing online so what what the situation is if you want to do this you need to find someone in the ecosystem and you just you need you need to go through people to actually do this not everyone have an access to this and the other part is so there's a lot of Ethiopian diaspora in US and Europe that want to move back and start something but they don't know where to start and they don't know what to do they they don't have idea of what's happening in the ground to see actually where they fit and everything so there's not that online go to her place in in Ethiopia that you could you know bring all this picture in one place and uh, that's really what we were trying to do is how can we be help for all these things and how can we really put this content that add genuinely a value for these players and then the behind how can we help the ecosystem really grow and uh, that's what we're trying to do Mm, I like it. I went through your I went through your website actually and I was uh-huh. looking at at quite a few of the articles. Very interesting. So, do you write them or do you have a team writing them? Uh, or, so, it's, oh. it's, <laughs> so it's uh it's been like 6 to 8 months so far. Uh mm-hmm. so I I've been doing I've been the only person who's doing everything in terms even yes. design the website and producing content we, we, we did have some uh, uh, contributors but mm-hmm. so before I actually actually leave everything in jump on this project I need to make sure the business the business model test before I go and ask for investor money I need to make sure also how the business model works right so mm-hmm. for that I'm, I, I've, I've been using my own resource in terms of bootstrapping uh, even in terms of time as well so uh, I've been doing I was the only person who's doing all the stuff I actually just yeah. hired one person now, but now we're in the process of uh, raising some money. So in quarter one slash quarter two, we're gonna hire a lot of people uh, when we close that investment and uh, we'll scale. But so far, since I was trying to test the business model, you know how it can be sustainably be run. Uh, I was doing more. Of, I was more investing my resource. So yeah, I was the one who's writing the contents, uh, yeah. organizing the events and all those stuffs. 
Wow. So do you want this? Do you want to position this as sort of the go to source for people like you said, people in the diaspora or otherwise who want to understand the entrepreneurial right. and investment market in underground in Ethiopia? Is that what you want this to, to become? Right. That's what we want to do. It's basically right. You, whatever you're looking on that space. Wait, so Ethiopia mm -hmm. so also there's a so uh, speak English is not at, at least uh, um, our mother tongue. There's a lot of uh, local language people speak uh, most of that. That so there's not that much love really good information out mm -hmm. online. That's also an yeah. issue in the same across industry, right? And uh, in this internet world, then there's not that much love good content in English as well. So because of all this issue, people can't find really a content that adds value to them. And we want to give that out for free. And uh, we monetize something, we monetize the business in the behind. But we want to put ourselves as a thought leader in the industry. And how can we add value genuinely for all these players? Mm, mm. So do you think eventually you'll start doing consulting with this, where you're We've actually already, advising? Yeah, we're already doing, like we've already connected. So basically what, what happens is when you make sure, you when you add value to the ecosystem and and uh, then help out, like, you know, actually let people know what you know about what's happening in the ground, then uh, some people will be interested more in terms of helping helping them, like, you know, helping them for more. So they will come to us, like, you know, connect us with the startup. We, we want to start this. Can you do us this research? So everything comes from in the behind. So consulting, advisory, research, uh, startups, connecting startups and investors, all these things comes in the, in the behind and that's uh, where we monetize it. Nice, very nice. Okay, and then you told me that you're the country lead for Africa's Talking, Africa's Talking, the Pan-African oh. Communication and Payment Company, right? APIs for developers in Africa? That's correct. Yeah, I was checking out their website, actually. Really, really interesting. I was really inspired by the founder in Kenya. Yes, yes. And yes. I thought it was so interesting when he was, he, he drew a parallel between when he started the business and when he started putting locks in his hair. <laughs> <laughs> and he was saying, he was saying, yeah, when he was saying that, like, the way he looked was everything was just like a representation of what was going on with the company. And I thought that was really incredible, uh, the way he shared that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. his locks, his locks are long, they're flourished. So that, I guess that means business is good now then. <laughs> yes, business is good. After that video, because I think a year or two years ago, so now it's, it's much longer. So that's, yeah. that's much, much more money. Wow. So what do you, as the country lead, what do you do for them? Or how do you uh, work with them? Uh, yeah, so so, uh, so what we do in Africa Stocking is basically uh, uh, we, we, we give tools for anyone who's building stuff in the continent. And whatever you're building, if you need to send SMS, if you want to accept payment, if you want to have a call center, whatever you have, we give you these APIs for you to integrate with your own platform so that you could scale really quickly. Basically, that's really what we do. And uh, we have like almost now 30,000 developers in our ecosystem that are building stuff and, you know, making things happen in the ground. And so Africa's looking at now in almost now 16 countries 
and one of the expansions in Ethiopia. And I'm just managing mm -hmm. that expansion. And basically, uh, as I've mentioned, both what I do in Shekga and Africa Stocking, actually, it's a pretty the same thing. In Africa Stocking, our customers are developers. So we're thinking, how can we give tools and how can we make it easier for you know founders and developers to actually quickly grow? And so in Ethiopia as well, I'm, I'm working with the developers and you know, in terms of introducing the product, in terms of you know, uh, seeing which which new product we should add for these developers so that they could actually really quickly scale. So I work with the whole developer community as a main in terms of you know giving this providing our tools and finding a way, but also managing the relationship between our local partner and with Ethio Telecom because our main business especially is uh, really engaged uh, with uh, the telecom operators in across countries. So yeah, I manage the relationship between these uh, main players and support uh, developers. And basically more of in terms of uh, now we're going to have a lot of people as well. So uh, paving a way in terms of how the company should go in terms of strategy and uh, finding new partners to work. Wow. Okay. So these are your, your two focuses at the moment and you have some other projects on the side or is this it for now? Uh, uh, so this is uh, two of main things uh, I'm working on. Uh, but yeah. I decided I'm interested in blockchain and crypto. Mm -hmm. um, as well, that's why <laughs> we're close mm -hmm. friends. But yeah, so blockchain yeah. uh, and crypto is my interest. And uh, so I spend my free time in, in terms of like, that's a really an interesting space. So I spend my time in terms of reading uh, stuff in that space. Also, you know, going deep down on some of the projects. I do a little bit of trading. Uh, or invest some small cash on uh, early stage companies in that area. But also mm -hmm. now with Matthias as well, we're trying to uh, organize the blockchain and crypto community in Ethiopia. It's, it's been a little bit dispersed and there is not that much organization that represents that community. So uh, we actually had uh, our first meetup uh, a, a month ago here in Ethiopia. So that's a mm -hmm. test I'm working on. I, I, I'm interested in that space and also see if we can, you know, bring the community together and how we can add value in Ethiopia as well. So we're trying to organize the blockchain and crypto community and basically the digital asset community in Ethiopia. Yeah, absolutely. Because everybody knows that digital is, is truly the future. It's, it's the future. And uh, I think uh, we shouldn't miss this as a continent. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's there's a lot happening already in East Africa, as we know, in Kenya. But um, but um, there's definitely more room for growth and potential everywhere. Right. Right. I mean, the technology is really progressing fast. Right. Now you say fintech and stuff and everything now in terms of blockchain and everything, it's really progressing. And you need to make sure we keep up and, uh, you know, everyone, the content is aware of it. Uh, using it and uh, it's part of the our progress otherwise it, we, I don't you know I don't really want to see uh, having a gap in, in terms of you know especially in this new technology like AI blockchain and everything if we miss that and if we have a really big gap with that the rest of the world and that's not that's not good right so we've missed in industrialization but we shouldn't miss this yeah yeah now at the beginning of the conversation you said that you don't you don't affect change by saying you're going to change the whole world. You kind of have to choose one thing and you focus on that one thing and you go from there. So and, is it, mm -hmm. sorry, go ahead. 
No, no, I'm, I'm yeah? just me. Okay, is it fair to say that for you, your one thing is technology, right? Yes, that's correct. Technology and entrepreneurship. Technology and entrepreneurship. Okay, so why do you believe that technology and entrepreneurship is the way forward, not just in Africa, but like you said, in emerging markets? Why do you think it's it's so crucial to the development and advancement, etc.? Uh, so this is the thing, right? So uh, if you see the whole human progress in the world, uh, especially after industrialization, really what you see everything around you today is technology, right? Any everything in terms of change, in terms of you know electricity and you know, all basically car, aeroplane. Then now it, it's internet and everything. And really, human being progressing means is actually technology. So every single tool that makes things much life easier, that that makes things much you know more efficient is technology. And the, what we see the world here now, in terms of more developed country and less developing country, it's about how they innovated more fast, and in terms of how they use their resource more effectively using this technology. And as a continent, there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of resource we have. But if we want to catch up with this, uh, with the already existing world, and even you know past, we need to innovate much faster. We need to use technology to quickly, uh, you know, pass some of the stage. We don't even necessarily sometimes need to do what they did, but we could quickly jump to the next step. And and one way really to do is everything is really about technology and how can you innovate, you know, in terms of, we have a lot of problems all over the world, of course, also in Africa, and how can we quickly solve these issues? And and solving things, issue, solving all these issues basically means how can you innovate, uh, you know, much effectively and much uh, customized way to the continent. And uh, and yeah, so I'm, I'm interested on how we could move forward, and, uh, and that's, uh, that's a way to do it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so talk to us about entrepreneurship in Ethiopia. Now, in terms of technology, because I think if you're in mainstream media, right, and you you say you do a Google search on entrepreneurs in Ethiopia, you hear a lot about coffee, right? <laughs> we hear a lot about coffee all the time. We might hear about, um, I forgot her name, but she's the lady, she's very popular in uh, yeah, with the she has the cafe, but before that she had shoes. Right, it's a, a shoes brand, right? Yes. So we. Grab. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so sorry. Apologies, I forgot her name, but I follow her on Twitter. She's oh, really. Yeah. She's, she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you hear a lot about you know some of these names, and I I was reading. There's this book called How We Made It in Africa, and they uh -huh. um they profiled um Addis Addis Alemayehu. Right, Addis Alemayehu. Yes, 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 yes. So like there's a few names that we hear about, right? But mm -hmm. I'm more curious about like the people like you, you know, the people who are building things on the ground from scratch, the people who aren't famous and popular yet. So tell me about like the tech entrepreneurial space in your country. Yeah, so so, um, uh, so I think Ethiopia as a country, I think for the last two decades really been going in terms of infrastructure and other sectors of the economy but because of the government policy that was being more emphasized so it was more of a developmental state more of a close to what china is trying to do 
So there was a, a more of, it looks like Ethiopia is close, like just, you know, not really uh, willing to accept a lot of ideas and investment from other countries, but just go in the ground. And because of that and stuff, even though most of other industries grew, the tech and the, start, the startup space wasn't that much really going, especially when you consider it was Kenya and Nigeria. So they do have mm. more, much, much, uh, uh, you know, better interesting ecosystem. And yes. and for Ethiopia, wasn't really uh, the government. It's a government strategy and focus in terms of in, even investment. Some of the area of investment is now allowed for foreigners. So they were more focusing in terms of agriculture, building infrastructure and everything, which was really good. But now there's a change of government, especially for the last two years, and there's an open up. So now it's really a time where all really all these young people who've been exposed to internet and everything want to bring things. And so the ecosystem is not really uh, vibrant like the, the Kenya in, in, in uh, Nigeria. But um, now is a time where really uh, all everyone's trying to do something now. It's really basically the founding stage. And, uh, you know, all those companies that have become, you know, a unicorn and multi-million dollar companies in five to ten years are being built in Ethiopia as of the moment. And that's how I see it. There's not that much really big, really um, big news, but in terms of the really big companies, big startups, but in the ground, there's a lot of people starting stuff, failing and everything. So just that stage, and like in two, three, five, six years, these guys are gonna come. So this this is how I actually see the ecosystem. And uh, but but this is also the time where all players need to play their part very well, so that you know these startups could go and much bigger and dominate the you know the continent in time. So it's a really early stage, very interesting, and lots of potential. Lots of uh, lots of people in the country, like almost hundred million people. So all these pieces are coming together and uh, more big stories will come in four to six years. But uh, the, you know, the ground stuff need to be done now. And so I think that's uh, the state we're in. Mm, right. Because you mentioned, you know, Kenya. We always hear about Kenya. We love Kenya. We always yeah. hear about Kenya. And we right. love Nigeria. We love them. We hear about them. And South Africa. <laughs> right. South Africa. South Africa also as well. Yeah, we hear a lot about South Africa, but like you said, uh, because of changes in in government, uh, things are opening up slowly. So people are are laying the foundation. So in terms of tech, what what industries in terms of technology would you say are the main focus where people are laying this foundation at the moment? Is it? I know you mentioned blockchain, but is yeah. it what else? Internet yeah. of Things. Yeah. So blockchain, it's of course interesting, but I think more stuff like fintech. Uh, of mobile money and payment products, that's definitely one. And the second one is agri-tech. Still, there's a lot of potential, and so how could you use technology to innovate the agriculture center? Center. So that's uh, also a focus for many startups, but also you know the government organ government organization and NGOs and stuff. So that's also very interesting. Uh, Edutech. Uh, that's also like there's a lot of students and uh, millions of. Uh, students so in the education industry also as we need to be supported with technology and there's a lot of potential for that as well so that's also another interesting area people are jumping in mm. okay so you mentioned education <laughs> agriculture and, and payments 
and fintech as well. Right. Mm. right. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So, what about the the neighboring the neighboring countries uh, around Ethiopia? What what about Somalia? What about Eritrea and Djibouti? Okay. What's happening right. in those places in terms of technology and entrepreneurship? Mm -hmm. So, Somalia is actually a very interesting scenario, right? And, you know, they've been having a uh, lots of problems, you know, uh, as we've all laid the, the whole Al Shabaab thing and mm -hmm. the war thing. But still, that's that's also one of the very interesting, you know, countries where mobile money adoption is one of the highest in the continent. And mm. in, uh, while they have lots of challenges in terms of, you know, was in terms of peace and security, but still a lot of startups that are finding a way to make businesses. And mm. I think the mobile money, in the, the mobile money with like, you know, you have a security, so that means you have a security issue, that means you cannot carry, you know, enough money around safely. That means people find a way to, you know, to put their money in a much safer way. And the mobile money industry actually is even much better than in terms of adoption than Ethiopia. It's actually much closer to Kenya. And so, yeah, even uh, and at the midst of all these challenges, there's a lot of young people finding a way to, develop products and I've, I've been actually I've seen one one delivery uh, startup that are being famous in in Somalia as well so Somalia is very interesting uh, Eritrea there it's a it's a very close country uh, it's uh, yeah. I wouldn't see a lot of happening in terms of technology internet is also a very very luxurious thing and so there's a lot of political challenge there so I am there's nothing yeah. Djibouti is a very interesting country. It's small, around like 900,000 to or a million. Uh, most of the economy is closely uh, interrelated with Ethiopia. I think in terms of technology, what we could say about uh, Djibouti is basically it's becoming now a data center for the continent. More, all of the 90% of uh, Ethiopia internet is coming from because, you know, uh, the whole uh, the cable the sea cable to the continent most of the internet is coming for ethiopia uh, uh, somaliland somalia it's coming to Djibouti, so they do they have really big data centers there uh, i mean it's a small population so they it's not a really a mass market for startups or and products but in terms of infrastructure and uh, and you know you know data cables and internet they have a really key role and you know ethiopia is a landlocked country so Almost ninety percent of our internet comes to uh, the data cable, uh, the data center in Djibouti. Uh, Sudan, Sudan, mm, is Sudan. Uh, an interesting ecosystem. I know a couple of startups and uh, hubs are working on that. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's interesting time. Yeah. No. The reason why I ask that is because, like we said before, you only hear about the the the, the they're like sort of the main countries that you hear about. You know, you hear about Egypt, maybe Algeria, and then of course Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa. But I'm always curious about those places that nobody hears anything about. Like you said, Somalia, or what you mentioned, I mean, I know Eritrea is a close country, but yeah. what you mentioned about Djibouti, I had no idea. I didn't know that. Maybe right. it's one of those things you could only know if you're on the ground or if you're working specifically in that tech space, you know? Right. But um these are all interesting things that we need to know. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. The media space tends to be, you know, only go to the biggest or something like that. But there's stories everywhere. So I think 
that's important everything need to be told yeah for sure for sure so what what do you think about china from a like a perspective that you have a lot of african students and young people and you know this whole relationship with africa china now the from the political level the economic level and everybody's really excited well not everybody let me rephrase oh, yeah. that some some people <laughs> some people right. some people not everybody are very excited about this relationship some people are kind of yeah they they don't know how they feel yet and then you have those who are completely against it right for right. multitude of reasons right. but a lot of people who are excited about this relationship they say to me well they can learn more from a country like china that's come a long way over 40 years and have developed and they believe that there's things like we were talking about earlier going to the west going to silicon valley and trying to replicate models they say well you know you can come to china you may not replicate models but you can learn things that may be more applicable to our situation like what you said about india to our situation right. in right. within the continent in your country or elsewhere so i just want to know like your position not political because i don't care about I, the politics I, but I from like a tech yeah i i can't stand politics i hate that because i just i feel the way you feel i mean i follow politics but the way because i think i need to know what's going on in the world but the way you feel about like people who speak about africa as this big continent is the way i feel about politics i feel like it's been happening for thousands of years but it doesn't get us anywhere right. you know and you could get so caught up in political conversations that you actually never do anything it's true it's, it's all politics it's all politics it yeah it's a yeah politics is it's a bad i mean if you really i think one of my really favorite person it's naval says if if you want to be a clear thinker you cannot be engaged in politics so politics yeah. mess your mind right so it basically need to you it's trying to put you in a box and if you support one political party or group there's you need to always agree with everything them so it's the whole process of politics and everything makes people really you know not really clear thinker and it's a it's, it's something you need to avoid as as uh, you know uh, unless it's otherwise very very important issue yeah and, and and it's kind of difficult because when you come from places like where i come from in the caribbean or in africa or other you know what whatever they call third world whatever they call us nowadays it's very difficult <laughs> because because politics is your life and you don't really have the luxury of not being political because you see how everything boils down to politics at the end of the day but this is yes. why i don't want to have anything to do with it because i just see how governments get into you know people get into politics and nothing changes and it's just this circle of right. people talking 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 so i'm more okay. interested in it from like a people to people or like a youth perspective women inspect perspective entrepreneurial that kind uh -huh. of thing so with a focus on china as you're interested in technology and you know t china is big in 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 ai for example how do right. you feel about about people like young people okay. like yourself learning things or or seeing what's being done here and seeing how you can retrofit that to to where you come from do yeah, you think that is that a good thing is it a bad thing how do you feel about stuff like that uh, yeah first let's start with i like china um <laughs> okay uh, I that's mean, a good so place to start that's a good place <laughs> to start i i, so I um <laughs> i think so i told you so this is in, in i think in the bigger picture the way i see everything is you know how china is a country that actually in 30 40 years changed it like a lot right uh mm. the, the economy 
and all other stuff. So that's an interesting. How do they do it, right? So we you're living in a content still with a problem in terms of economy and and in poverty and everything. I'm interested in how they innovate fast and how they go and how to, they change it. So this is more than a daily to daily activity, but also in terms of strategy, how true what should government do in terms of your relationship with other country and all those things, ideologies and everything. And mm. so the first thing to start is, so this is why I believe it's Africa, if Africa or any other country in Africa need to change, it need to completely believe that it's in our own reach. With, without or with help of other countries. Right? There is no any country in the world that, that changes because of aid or because they have good relationship with another country or everything. So it goes down to what we need to do in the ground, right? Oh, it helps to learn from China. It helps to get aid from other countries and stuff. But in, we need, this is my belief. We need to completely understand that it, it is Africans that can change Africa. It doesn't mm. matter if we can help on that. It doesn't matter if there's China or US. It doesn't matter. So we need to understand that in terms of a bigger picture. But also in terms of in daily stories and or in terms of professional wise or in terms of getting things done, I have really big interest in, in, in China because China is a whole lot of another continent. It's on another world, especially <laughs> the technology space. It's 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 mm. another. I I don't think that even the West understand. I don't I don't understand it enough. But some of the things I I used to do in in India was actually more of researching the the tech and startup ecosystem in uh and in in China. And then they really built their own something. This is what you call what you call. It. Uh, so for example, simple things like in US you have the, all this legacy infrastructure payment and everything. Then you go to China, people don't even use cards, right? Now it's all you pay. <laughs> Uh, Alipay or something, right? So that Alipay is a very yeah, Alipay and WeChat. So that's a very interesting learning, right? So as a, mm. as a content in Africa, we don't need to copy the China or US. We just need to find what works for us in the ground, right? So the learning mm. is more in terms of how, in terms of mindset, in terms of how you do things. Yes, there's something that, that's happening in another content. Western is, uh, the Western countries really, uh, really develop it and everything. But when you come to your country, you don't necessarily need to copy it. You just need to find new ways of doing. And China actually really did that. And I think that's something we've learned, right? They do things mm. in their own way. Of course, they have learned mm. a lot of things from other countries, but when they come to, they just find their way. So this is a, a kind of more of a mindset, actually really believing that you could make things happen in your own continent and, and you don't need necessarily the blessing of another country or the being similar with another country. So in terms of mm. that, it's very interesting. So I, uh, all other, there's all of other startups I am interested as well. And uh, I usually read articles about and all those things. And in terms of even my care and everything, in terms of like advising startups, in terms of uh, working in the ecosystem, there's a lot of learning, you know, in terms of you know, specific skills and uh, product management and all those things. But as a bigger picture, that's what I learned from China is that it's possible to do things on your own way and you don't need to be similar or have a blessing of all these people. So with that sense, it's China. But also the other thing is in terms of China and Africa relationship, I like it. I think um, I, I think China have had much good help to the continent than the Western countries. I think for the last 10 to 20 years, in terms of really infrastructure and everything, which is really critical 
for the continent in Africa, they've helped much better than uh, uh, you know the West, which the West more focus on aid and stuff, but the Chinese more focus on really infrastructure, uh, like the basement for you know to grow your economy. But at the end of the day, as I've said, China cannot make Africa you know grow. It's all gonna be up to uh, Africans. So we need to understand this. We need to have really good relationship with these countries. But at the end of the day, we should stop blaming even whole the other continents and other countries for our own issue, right? China, at the end mm. of the day, have their own interest, right? They might mm-hmm. be, have a different strategy, but it makes sense, right? If, 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 I'm, if I'm also president of my own country, I'm going to make sure that uh, my interest is being kept. So just mm-hmm. African standard, there is no, this is not about being brothers or sisters. You could help each other and everything, but at the end of the day, all countries, all economies, they will have their own interests. So Africa also mm-hmm. needs to understand coming down the bottom line is we need it's up to us for us to uh you know to change things but after that then you could find a way in terms of collaboration and everything so that's how i mm. see the ship with china and uh, china and africa and ethiopia mm. yeah interesting i like i like no because i i often say the one thing I have observed from living here is that, like you said, you can blaze your own path. You can shut yourself off from the world for a while and do your own thing. And then when you decide that you're ready to go out there and be big, you can also do that on your own. You don't necessarily need to copy anybody's model. And there are actually a lot of a lot of people that I've that I follow and that have been reading their books who have said the same thing. You know, it's not about trying to have a China model or a Western model or any other model. You need to have your own model. It's really about doing your own thing. But um, I guess it takes a lot of confidence and self-belief to actually think you can do that, whether it's as an individual or as a as a nation. I think it's difficult for some. I mean, it is. So I, this is actually why I see it. I, it's literally about confidence. So now we're in a, in a situation in Africa is that all the governments think they, whenever they have interesting projects, the first thing they do is how they they can get money from abroad, right? Mm. So it's mm. already aid, the aid mentality. It's really it's like literally another colonization. If you mm. think you cannot get things then in a local resources, right? So the first thing you think is about finding an aid, but you're not thinking about how you can mobilize local resources, whether it's money or how could you find a really interesting solution to make things happen then that, that's where we're losing, right? As a continent, all the leaders are thinking like that. Whenever they go, literally, they go for a podcast campaign based on their project is based on money coming from, right? They're not trying to find a way to do things. And the aid is easy, man, right? Mm. Even though it's mm. a consequence. So the whole continent is in, in that type of thinking, all the government thinks, whenever something, whenever they plan, they might be innocent, they might be really good leaders, they want to change things, but still, when they want to do something, they think the first thing they need to do is to go find find aid or find mm. another. And when they're not thinking how do you use a local resource, they're not thinking mm. how you could mobilize things, they're not thinking how they could mobilize their diaspora. Right? So this is not the first thing, this is an instinct, right? You instinct, the first thing that comes to your mind is to find go a help or aid from other countries, then you always gonna be tough, like tough, you know, you know, hold on that right type of situation. So that is it. They need to be a mindset. I, I actually think Africa, whole continent, and all countries need to stop accepting aid. It's not because mm. it doesn't help. 
But the whole relationship and the way people see aid is actually what's holding us back. Mm. And the aid relationship is very, uh, it's like father and son, mother and daughter. It's parent and child, right? It's not, there's no equilibrium when you take aid. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not, I mean, I think it's, it's okay to be, I, I'm, I'm telling, I'm, like, the point is, what is the mindset and the principle and the culture we're developing behind that, right? If, basically, if you have a really confidence in your resource and the content and the people you're leading, then the first thing you want to do is how do you use your local resource? How do you use your own already existing role effectively? It's really yeah. about mindset and how you see things. Then you could go to aid. But if the first thing you always check is aid, then it's an issue, I really think. Yeah, everything boils down to mindset because you have a highly educated uh segment of your population that's young people so you can mobilize them you can mobilize their talent you can leverage your diaspora which is quite yeah. big there's a lot that you can do but maybe like you said it's just the lack of confidence right but that 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 that's attached to a whole other conversation that we we can't get into on <laughs> <laughs> but you see, but you see, this is why I, I said to you at the beginning, I feel like this spirit of Africa moving and Africa developing, I feel like that is so necessary to the development of the continent right. because because there's so many people that have bought into this idea that, you know, Africa is poor, Africa is underdeveloped, we've always been this way, you know, we have to rely on the Europeans to help us, now we, you know, we need the Americans, we need the Chinese, like this narrative has been right. embedded for so many generations that people actually believe that, like I meet people who believe that, I know people, not just from Africa, in the Caribbean, like, people generally around the world who come from developing countries really believe that because that's what they've been told. So I feel like this, this spirit of yes, Africa, go Africa, as, as cheesy as it might sound, I feel like it's a part of the, the process because I don't know, how else do you change people's mindset if they don't have self-belief? You have to encourage them, right? You have to develop them. And it, I guess development has to start on the ground, in education, in school, in your house, when you go onto the internet. You have to see it all the time and then maybe you start to believe it. I don't know. I agree with that. I, I definitely completely agree with that. But I didn't know that it's, as you've mentioned, right? It's, it's a, it was a waste and it's now China and everything. But the whole rhetoric is, it looks like we're waiting for a savior, right? Yeah. The relationship, yeah. Right? It's, now it's like a, being a battleground between all powerful people and everything. That's not an equal relationship, right? So yeah. I like China, but if the, the thinking is basically is, if we're waiting for China to save us, then that's going to be an issue, right? So we need to yeah. avoid the whole savior mentality that, then that and know that it's within our own reach to change all these things. And Russia now, Russia is in the game again. Yeah. <laughs> and that whole rhetoric behind this is that for Africa need to be better and need someone. Basically, that's yeah. what it's saying, right? Yeah. The whole yeah. China, no, it's US, it's, it's no, it's China or it's India, whatever it is. The whole behind is we need someone to make things mm. better. Yeah, that's what it's saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think I think your generation and the generation after you obviously have a completely different mindset. And that's the hope. Remember you told me your your second name means hope? So right. That's the hope. <laughs> I'm hope. 
I'm hope. Yes, <laughs> you are a hope. So there you go. So it has been really, really great to talk to you. I want to ask you one final thing before you go. What encouraging words do you have for other young people who might be in their country and they want to, you know, to, to be like you? They want to develop ecosystems. They want to to expand technology. They want to bring awareness. They want to do start from the grassroots and mobilize people. They want to build things. Maybe like you said, in Ethiopia, it's just up and coming now. Maybe they're in a country where nothing exists at the moment and they want to develop something. What should they do? How should they start? Right. I, I think, so I, for, for me, really, I don't like giving advices, not in a yeah. sense, but so if, if, if I'm giving advice, it's always should be a lot more principled other than just a specific scenario. And what yes. I think young people need to see things from, uh, it, especially at this stage where really internet is becoming more accessible and there's a lot you know you can learn. What is more important is more having a confidence and really uh, having a mindset that if you set your mind on it, you could learn about anything, right? So I, I've never go to computer science studies. I went to economics. I studied economics. But really, my the mindset behind is if I'm interested in something, there's a way to learn about it, right? It does. If you, it doesn't matter if you're starting from scratch. So it's more about how you can be open-minded and really be open for learning and re being ready for learning every single time. And how can you use all the resources, especially if you have access to internet in these days, you could learn about anything, literally anything, right? So it's really about how you can use all the resources. And I think <laughs> the advice I would give is, you know, having this really important mindset that you have everything it takes to make things happen and you, you could learn about things and it doesn't matter from which background you come, it doesn't matter how privileged or unprivileged you are, the, because of this you know, internet and all other things, you using your resources like this, you could be whatever person you want to be. It doesn't matter which industry you are. It doesn't matter if you, you know, go to a different field of studies. But I think it's being really about being open-minded and uh, ready to try, actually, and test it and fail. And uh, I think the other thing I would like to give is that uh, how do you see life and how do you see, you know, uh, how do you see going, right? So the being... When you try something and when you try to make things happen, you sh it's really important to be ambitious about them, but it's also important to understand that uh, when you definitely, if you're trying it for the first time, you'll definitely fail and it's okay to fail. And if you understand that it's okay to fail from the start and it will be easy for you to start again in the next time because you know you're not perfect, but you know you're just trying and you, even if you do the 50%, the 60%, and you are aware that you will not be perfect at the first time, it's very easy for your next move to start again because you already know, you expect that you actually are not perfect and you're going to make things better at the end of the day. So it's, uh, it's really important to understand that you cannot always get it 100% and, and it's okay. And that's a part of the learning process. And if you have that mindset, it's very easy to quickly move from one failure to another failure. And then the bigger picture, you're actually really progressing. Mm, indeed. See, that was an advice. Those were sensible words of encouragement. So we don't give advice. We give encouragement. Not specific, but you know, I don't know, principle-wise. I... 
Uh, no, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean because I, I'm of the position that any advice that I give to someone, it's going to be based on my experience and my lived experience. And I, I'm the only one living my experience. So whatever I say to you, it can it's it's coming from me. You still have to figure things out for yourself, you know? Exactly. That's what I was saying. I mean, it's good to give advice. I mean, I listen to advice, but it's always half-hearted because I think from my experience, what I've understood is you... As a human being, some most of the things my learning, are, most of the things I have, is comes from actually, you know, make being be, like making errors and mistakes and everything. And it seems like, uh, you know, you need to what do you call it? Fuck it up before you figure it out. And understanding that is that everyone will have its own learning and its own experience. It's good. You should listen for people, but also you should know that you know you need to make things happen and fail. So that you actually have a very good learning experience about things. Yeah, I think it's important to take some risks because if you play it too safe, you're never going to really figure out where you want to go and what you want to do. I agree. Yeah, yes. at the end, life is a game. And uh, if you see it about that, then uh, you shouldn't take it uh, personally. That is so true. And understand that things are imperfect, right? So if you can exactly. create your create your own happiness within the imperfection, you're 50% right. successful, I think, because yeah. so many people so, struggle with doing that. Ah, yeah. Like, if you think life is a game, right? you know it's a game, right? So you know mm. you already know before you start, there's a failure and there's a winner and loser. And that's mm. going to be the process. And you're just playing. And when you fail, you know like, there will be like, an next game and you move on. So I think it's really about how you see how things move on. And if you actually see life is a game, and then, yeah, you just need to find how to play it. And it's not going to be easy, but then in the process, you, you will try to enjoy it. Definitely. Wonderful. And on that note, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing all these morsels of wisdom and knowledge with us. You too. Thank you very much. I, it, it, I really had a fun conversation with you and it, uh, your energy and uh, very important insights and questions. Yeah, I really uh, love the conversation. So thank you very much, you too. Thanks so much. I told you the energy comes from locking off the mobile phone and hiding <laughs> all weekend. This is the only right. way. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. So that's why you should do podcasts right, immediately after you... Love you for yeah. yeah, I go I go into my cave and then I emerge for these podcasts. Seriously. You know what? I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to do that and I'll let you know how it goes. Okay, okay. Let's say let's say bye to the audience. So bye for bye. now. Okay, thanks so much. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Hello everyone and welcome to the end of series two broken worlds thinking yes welcome to the end okay so as you know this podcast is for those who come from the so-called broken worlds the developing world right so that said i have been thinking a lot recently if said broken worlds have all become too obsessed with innovation um i myself have been a victim of the innovation bandwagon and I, I will say that living in China has definitely given me a fresh and new perspective on innovation and how it is perceived and valued by different cultures. So Silicon Valley places a high premium on innovation, right? And this has been beamed to the entire world. 
I, I think you, if you listened in to the conversation I had with Zazu when we did scholarship to entrepreneurship, we talked a lot about innovation coming out of Silicon Valley, etc. So do you think that we all need to be innovating all the time? So this is a question I started with uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I was reading Ramesh Shrinivasan's Srinivasan's book uh, titled Beyond the Valley, How Innovators Around the World Are Overcoming Inequality and Creating the Technologies of Tomorrow. It's a fascinating read, and I really recommend the book. Um, I'm also a huge fan of Beyond Silicon Valley by Michael Goldberg. Um, where he highlights the entrepreneurial work of those in emerging markets. And I had him on my podcast, so you should definitely go and listen into that. So anyway, all of that said, this series focused on three infrastructures which are currently broken, right? The startup funding world is broken, money is broken, and entrepreneurial ecosystems in emerging markets, we could say they're broken. I mean, they're emerging, so they're not, they haven't flourished just yet, right? So Hidewai explained to us how investment funding works. Matthias discussed how blockchain technologies will benefit the developing world. He also talked to us a lot about how his company Reserve are working towards building this stable digital currency. And then lastly, Antony shared about entrepreneurship and technology in emerging markets. Uh, he talked about it ac across the, the continent of Africa. We touched on China. And of course, when he worked in Bangalore, India. So these are all infrastructures that we know are broken, right? And these guys all talk to us about what these infrastructures are, what they do, what they mean, how they work, etc. So this is what I want you to think about. Innovation and disruption are very buzzy words, very exciting, very sexy, okay? And I feel like we have essentially two children here. We have maintenance and repair, which is the bastard child, and we have innovation and disruption, which is the love child. Why is that the case? So I dug a bit deeper into this concept of broken worlds thinking, and I read Rethinking Repair by Stephen Jackson. And it's based on the premise that improvement can start from a point of erosion and not necessarily from a point of novelty. So in essence, innovation is overvalued and repair is undervalued. So what I'd like you to ask yourself is, which one do you believe is best suited for where you come from? Innovation or maintenance? Because that's what I've been asking myself as well. And should we be designing and developing um, with a new and innovative mindset every time? Or should, be, or should we be designing with the understanding that things are in a perpetual state of repair and therefore they may not actually work the way they're designed and that's completely okay. They don't have to be perfect. We just need to focus on how we can repair what we already have, okay? Um, because there is a saying that there is really nothing new under the sun. So are things really working the way we'd like them to work in the countries that we come from? And that's why... I really thought it important to focus on broken worlds thinking so that we can all kind of perhaps explore a new way of thinking about how we can get things to work for us. Yay. So I hope you enjoyed this series. Um, thank you so much to Hiduai and Matthias and Anthony for speaking to me, all incredibly intelligent, wise men. And next week, we're going to be focusing on something completely different. So I look forward to catching up with you then. All right. Bye for now. 
Hey there, Rare Ones. I hope you enjoyed listening into this week's conversation. The Rare Birds podcast is available for listening across all major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Anchor, and several more. Please share our conversations with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do so by opting in on our homepage of our website, www.rarebirdshq.com. The weekly newsletter provides analysis and data around the topics explored in our weekly conversations. Lastly, I would love your feedback and spend way too much time on Twitter. My handle is included in the notes section of each episode. Tweet me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, and feedback because I'm always looking for ways to improve my craft. If you absolutely love what you heard, then rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week for more conversation. Bye for now.